Up next, an innocent young woman meets a brutal end. It was very violent. There was blood all over the place. You could tell Elizabeth fought hard to get away. Small-town neighbors fear a killer lives among them. That was awful. It was tragic. It kind of rocked the whole community. I was scared. At first, a few prints in the dirt are the only evidence. Without the tire impressions and the shoe impressions, we had nothing. And that lack of clues has police bracing for another murder. He was on this path to being a serial killer. Located on a high plain just over the border with West Texas, the city of Hobbs is known as the oil capital of New Mexico. Oil and gas has been a big part of the economy here for as long as Hobbs has been here. It it probably what put Hobbs on the map. More than 8,000 people, nearly 20% of the city's population, work in energy production. It's really like a small town. The population has grown primarily due to the oil and gas industry. On a January afternoon in 2002, two men were driving on a dirt road a few miles out of town when they came across the body of a young woman. She was laying on her back. Her sweatshirt was up around her her neck. Her throat was cut. She had stabs in her abdomen, her chest, her head, her arms, her back. Some of the blows to this victim were so forceful they'd broken bones. She'd been dead for hours. It's such a violent scene. It tends to connect that you would think that she knew who she was with. Investigators got an early break. Since at least part of the murder happened on a dirt road, some evidence became apparent immediately. We saw tire tracks, and it looked like the vehicle had pulled up off the main road and stopped right outside where the passenger's front door would have been. We located a clump of hair. Evidence in the dirt showed the victim had been dragged from the passenger seat to where she was ultimately killed. She had been scratching, trying to get away, and close to those scratch marks would be pools of blood. She was clearly trying to get away from her attacker and fought for her life out there. Since the victim was fully clothed, detectives couldn't determine on sight if this was a sexually motivated crime. The question now was, who was she? A tattoo on her stomach helped provide the answer. Her name was Elizabeth Garcia, a 26-year-old single mother. Elizabeth Garcia was a young woman who was really trying to make a better life for herself. She had been married and had three kids, and she was going back to school, attending classes at New Mexico Junior College, but she had to work. And that meant working nights at a convenience store called Allsup's so she could go to school during the day. This created a possible connection to the murder. Elizabeth was working her shift at night at the Allsup's, and her boyfriend had to go to work early, had to be at work at 3 a.m., and he was going to stop by and just see her for, you know, a couple minutes on his way. But when Elizabeth's boyfriend, Jaime Pacheco, 
got to the convenience store, Elizabeth was gone. In fact, the store was wide open and apparently abandoned. He could not find Elizabeth. Her car was in the parking lot, but she was nowhere to be found. Police were called to the store. Ten hours later, Elizabeth was found, brutally murdered on the outskirts of town. How were the store and crime scene connected? Or were they connected? At first, police had no idea and turned to impressions in the dirt for answers. This show is supported by BetterHelp Online Therapy. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Maybe you'd go hiking or take a much-needed nap. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? BetterHelp wants you to know that now's the time to choose happiness. And working with a therapist can help you get closer to a more blissful you. Therapists are trained to help you figure out challenging emotions. And they teach productive coping skills, giving you a greater sense of confidence to face your stress and anxiety. With BetterHelp, you get the benefits of in-person therapy. Plus, it's more convenient, more accessible, and more affordable. BetterHelp has connected over 3 million people in counting with licensed therapists, all 100% online. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com forensic today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot forensic. Following the breakup of Elizabeth Garcia's first marriage, the single mother was determined to make a better life for herself and her three young children. Elizabeth got pregnant in high school and uh, and then had two other children to follow. And so she was a she was a devoted mom, but it definitely changed her path for probably what her plans were. Detectives at the store from where Elizabeth disappeared were immediately dealt a bad break. There were surveillance cameras, but they weren't working at the time. There was no sign of a struggle in the store. It looked as if Elizabeth either left voluntarily or was forced out with some kind of weapon. It was as if she just disappeared. Her car was there. Her books were there on the countertop. Her coat was there in the store. There was no money in the cash register, but there was a potential clue. The last transaction was at 2.24 a.m. Elizabeth had written down on a piece of paper that whoever had came in at that particular time didn't have enough money to pay for what they were trying to purchase. She wrote down on the receipt that it was a rude customer or a mad customer, and that's the last contact they had showing her that it was at 2.24 a.m. With no surveillance video and no witnesses, there wasn't a way to identify this customer. Detectives now turned to tire tracks and impressions from two different shoes at the scene of the murder. One of those impressions matched back to Elizabeth Garcia's shoes. The other shoe prints and tire tracks were presumably from the killer and his vehicle, but analysts had to work fast. Dirt roads do not hold shoe impressions well. They don't hold tire impressions well. The wind blows here a lot. Analysts use dental stone, the material used to create permanent casts of patients' teeth and dentures to make casts of the impressions in the dirt. This produced high-quality casts 
but detectives were unable to definitively identify the brand of tires or shoes. There are many, many treads on shoes, as we found out. Tires are the same way, so it was hard to narrow it down. However, if detectives could identify a suspect and could get their hands on their tires and shoes, the casts could be matched to a particular brand and then back to their suspect. Detectives were looking at the boyfriend of Elizabeth as a potential suspect. He left after talking to law enforcement, went on to work knowing she was missing. And so for law enforcement, you know, that was a a lot of red flags. But Jaime's story held up. He was seen at work by numerous co-workers around the period when Elizabeth had been killed. There was not enough time for him to kill her and then be at his job by three o'clock. Elizabeth's autopsy showed she'd been stabbed 56 times and was sexually assaulted. DNA recovered from her clothing was tested, but in 2002, this took time. With Elizabeth's boyfriend apparently eliminated as a suspect, detectives turned to her ex-husband, Jesus Mendoza. He wasn't paying child support. He wasn't supporting her in any way. So there was tension in between Elizabeth and her ex-husband. Their relationship had fallen apart. Obviously, when you've got children with someone, there's always that chance that somehow something has come up uh, and something has triggered some of that reactive violence that happens. Mendoza, who did not have an airtight alibi for the time of the murder, was brought in for questioning, and his behavior did nothing to allay detectives' suspicions. I thought he was probably our guy. He made several statements that just didn't sound right. He told me at one time, you guys don't have enough yet. He goes, I know you're going to be looking at me for this. So early on, I thought he was probably going to be our guy. Police arrested Mendoza on an unrelated charge. And in a jailhouse phone call, he appeared to implicate himself in his ex-wife's murder. We were monitoring his phone calls. He called a friend and asked them to uh, get rid of some of his clothing and his cell phone. And clearly... We thought we had him. We, we're going to find the bloody clothes. We're going to find the, the, the shoes. We're going to find the tires. We're going to find everything we need to, to solve this case. And that's not what happened. The unusual level of violence in Elizabeth Garcia's murder had investigators convinced she knew her killer. And Jesus Mendoza, her ex-husband, was acting like he might be involved. When they talked to him, instead of him just being that, I'm devastated by this happening, I can't believe she's gone, what can I do to help? He was giving them odd replies and saying things like, I know that you probably think I did it, you know, you're probably gonna find a way to put my DNA at the scene. A search of Mendoza's home turned up no shoes that matched the impressions from the crime scene. The same held true for his car tires. While detectives waited to see if his DNA matched DNA from the crime scene, they got a fresh tip about a man named Stephen DeMoss. Stephen DeMoss and another person had been claiming they were going to rob an Allsup store. They needed money. They were, they were both on methamphetamine. Police combed Hobbs City and the surrounding area and couldn't find DeMoss. They contacted his sister, Shelley Lovett. She and her husband, Paul, 
were once quite close to Stephen. I remember them coming to my house and them asking me about my brother, you know, that possibly they needed to question him regarding this. And of course, I just felt like there's no way, you know, not my brother couldn't have possibly had something to do with this. Shelley told detectives she had no idea where her brother was, but was convinced he had a serious drug problem. I do remember he would stay up for maybe two or three days. And so there were there were plenty of signs of it. I did suspect it um, pretty early, and I, I knew. And now police learned of a weird connection between DeMoss and Elizabeth Garcia. DeMoss's father, Randy, was apparently infatuated with Elizabeth. While trying to understand Elizabeth Garcia and who she was, we learned that she um, worked at a parts store for a while and that a man had sent her roses or some flowers, and that man was Randy DeMoss. Detectives tracked down Randy DeMoss. While he admitted an infatuation with Elizabeth, he denied any involvement in her murder, and he had an alibi to back it up. But the more police learned about his son, Stephen, the more concerned they became. Stephen DeMoss, I don't know if he would be called a collector of knives, but he had knives. He had had some odd behavior. He had shaved his head somewhere after they believed that the offense had happened, somewhere around that, that night. When DeMoss was finally tracked down, he was not cooperative. He would twist the questions around. You could tell he was toying with us and trying to be evasive at the same time. Said they may have talked about robbing an awesome store, but they didn't do it. Said he knew Elizabeth, said his dad knew who Elizabeth was, but he said he didn't do it. Detectives took Stephen DeMoss's DNA and searched his home and car. Once again, no shoes or tires matched the casts taken from the crime scene. Even worse for the investigation, the DNA results on all the potential suspects finally came in, and none of the suspects matched. They couldn't connect any of those individuals to her, to this crime. It is absolutely devastating. We still got somebody out there that killed this woman, and we have no idea who it is. Police and the general public feared an arrest would never be made. Then, 16 months after Elizabeth's murder, there was an odd development, one that turned out to have a surprise connection to the case. Two guys are driving down the West County Road here in Hobbs, and they, they see a guy walking down the road at, at the edge of the road. He's got a lot of scratches on him, got some blood on him, and they, they pull over to ask the guy, hey, you okay? He goes, you know, I got an altercation last night. I woke up in a ditch. He said, I got beat up pretty bad. Can you take me home? In the spring of 2003, another woman from Hobbs, New Mexico, 35-year-old Patty Simon, was found brutally murdered and sexually assaulted on the outskirts of the city. She was found laying on her back with her legs open, and there was a shirt covering her face. She had uh, injuries to her face and her head, and her throat had also been cut. Very bloody, very gruesome crime scene, much like Elizabeth Garcia's crime scene. 
Patty Simon and Elizabeth Garcia did not know each other, but there was a connection between the cases. It concerned a story about a videotape, allegedly made by Elizabeth's killer just after her murder. Rumor got around through the meth community that there was a videotape. People swore they saw the videotape of the murder of Elizabeth Garcia. They could never give it to the police, but they swore they saw it. Ultimately, this video was supposed to have ended up in the possession of Patty Simon. On the morning Patty's body was found, a man, shirtless and bloody, was walking along a remote highway when two oil workers drove by and stopped to talk to him. The man said he got beaten up after defending a woman at a nearby bowling alley the night before. He said he staggered away and woke up in a ditch. The men who found him dropped him off at his house. A short time later, they heard of the Patty Simon murder and called the sheriff, who rushed to get this man in custody. They go to his house at that time when they get there. He's he's running a bathwater, but he hadn't showered yet. He's scratched up, he's sunburned, he's got blood on his pants. And they say, you're not getting in the bathtub. They detain him taken to the sheriff's office and began interviewing him. The man was 23-year-old Paul Lovett. Detectives investigating the Garcia murder had seen him before. He was the husband of Shelley Lovett, sister of one-time suspect Stephen DeMoss. Paul Lovett made a distinct impression on detectives the night they interviewed his wife while trying to find who killed Elizabeth Garcia. I remember myself and the other detective were there in Shelley's house. Paul loved it. He sat on the couch, kept his head down, didn't say anything. I thought, you know, this guy understands how bad this situation is. Lovett said he didn't even know Elizabeth Garcia and didn't murder Patty Simon, who, he said, was a friend. His story was that he was driving around with Patty and she let a man she knew but he had never seen into the car and that this stranger was her killer. He got in the car and she said, he asked her, have you gotten dope? She said, yes. And then he tried to rob her. What do you mean? Well, he pulled out a knife and started to turn the Lovett's wife, Shelley, said her marriage to Paul had been falling apart, and he left her shortly after the Garcia murder. He stopped at the house one night and told me, I'm leaving, I'm moving to Alabama. He got in the car with some girl and her baby and left. A search of the Lovett's home revealed no shoes or tires that matched the Garcia crime scene. Detectives asked Paul's wife, Shelley, if she had any photographs of Paul from around the time Elizabeth Garcia was killed. We happened to have some photos of a recent family event that we had had. And the way that he was sitting, part of the bottom of his shoe, you could see it in the photo. So from that, they're able to find out a shoe model, uh, a shoe brand. Nike Air Integrity. With the same kind of Nike shoe that was consistent with the tracks that was found at the scene of the Garcia homicide. As for the tires, Shelley Lovett told police Paul's car had been sold, but she still had the receipt for tires purchased months before the murder. 
And now analysts finally had another brand to check against their crime scene, and it was the same brand. This combination of evidence tied Paul Lovett to the Garcia murder. There is no evidence he knew her. Investigators don't know how he got her into his car, but the evidence indicates that once he got her out of town, he sexually assaulted her and then dragged her out of the car. A vicious fight followed, with Elizabeth dying after dozens of stab wounds. Unknown to Lovett, he left shoe prints, tire impressions, and his DNA at the scene. He did know Patty Simon through their connection with local methamphetamine users. There was no truth to the rumor there was any videotape of the Garcia murder. Why Paul Lovett killed Patty Simon, no one knows. But prosecutors say her blood on his clothing and his on hers leaves no doubt that he was responsible. Paul Lovett was ultimately found guilty of both murders and is serving life without parole. I was just shocked. It was embarrassing to me, you know, that uh, that was part of my past, that I was married to him. Someone that can commit the crimes that he committed is evil. That's a monster. Investigators think Lovett could have been a serial killer in the making and say he might have killed again if not for the forensics that finally took him off the streets. I think after he killed Elizabeth, he didn't have any problems with killing Patty Simon. My opinion is he would have kept killing if we wouldn't have caught him. Thank God they caught him before there was another victim. Um, and that hopefully these two were the only two. Hobbs has a lot of murders, but they don't have a lot of murders like this. It, it happened on my watch, and I took it very personal. And uh, it stands out because it was through the forensics, the DNA, the, the shoe impressions, and the tire impressions. Uh, that's what made the case. <laughs> 